right, welcome to another episode of the Stringing Lawn Podcast. As it usually is, my name is Pierce, and uh, once again, I've got Caroline with me after her week away from the cast. Welcome back. Hey, Caroline, how are you? Was it sad? Were you lonely? It was, was sad. It sitting um, around, like, looking at, at Sperber. Laughter was down. Uh, <laughs> fun. Background down. dog barking. <laughs> dog noise is way down. Yeah, but uh, happy to have you back. And, and speaking of your dog, Bennett, we have UVA's most important Bennett with us on, on the podcast today. Bennett Conlon of The Daily Progress joining us for the first time on the podcast. I'm, I'm, I just say that because I'm surprised because we've been... tweeting at each other for so long but uh thank you bennett for for joining us yeah thanks for having me it's been sort of the elephant in the room when i interact with you two just like (laughs) haven't i been on the podcast but i'm on so it's the air is clear we're back on the christmas card list (laughs) finally make our listeners listen to 45 minutes about the detroit lions no come back where are you going (laughs) instead of usually i get like one dig in there at myself but uh noted detroit lions fan Bennett Conlon, welcome again. We're five and seven. We fired our coach. <laughs> Things are looking great. They are. I mean, look, they're they're still on the in the hunt graphics, and I'm mm-hmm. still looking at at sort of the draft order. So it's kind of exactly where you want to be as a Lions fan <laughs> in December. Uh, the Tankathon uh, is is usually where we're at, and and it looks like we're we're not going to have that number three pick to ruin this year, but. Uh, I'm sure we'll ruin a later pick depending on the GM. No, but in all seriousness, we do want to talk UVA sports with you, but I figured before we jump into that, just in case someone out there listening isn't, uh, you know, maybe we have out of town guests who, who hate newspapers and they're like, listen, I get my UVA thoughts from Caroline and Pierce and that's it. And maybe that's the person it's, it's my mom that please introduce to to my mom. (laughs) Who you are, Bennett. How did you get to this world of, of covering the Wahoos? Yeah, so I got a little bit lucky. So I started last September, so September of 2019. And previously, I was at business.com after I graduated from JMU in 2018. And I was writing about like accounting software <laughs> and other very boring business products. So that was kind of a struggle. And uh, I was eventually able to sort of apply for this job and I got an interview. And then I also, the publisher of the Daily Progress knows my student newspaper advisor. So they hooked up and had a little conversation and I guess he said good things about me and it worked out and now I'm here. So it was, it was a massive change of pace to go from like, you know, covering football games, uh, accounting software to football games and, and basketball games. So it's definitely been a change of pace. And even with Virginia's offensive style, Still not as boring as accounting software. I was going to make the joke. Beat me to Uh, it. You beat me to it. Well, our our favorite event, uh, I I don't mean to speak for Caroline, but I'd have to assume it's the ACC tournament. Um, Mm, It is is for me at least. And and you got so close to covering one, but haven't had that that, the pleasure. So that's hopefully in a few months you'll you'll get to experience watching UNC old people see the Louisville dance team perform <laughs> or, or maybe not. No, because we're not going to have fans. Oh, no, so yeah, what's the point to, of the tournament? <laughs> yeah. I might say no to going just yeah. because, you yeah, know, no Louisville lady birds. Um, that was the funniest. It is the highlight of ACC athletics, but why don't we talk about the actual sports teams? <laughs> and 
and and let's let's jump into it to football first you know it's it's rivalry rivalry week you're jmu guy you know you've seen how heated this commonwealth cup can get and and of course the madison fans saying that they have the best football team in the state often true (laughs) (laughs) they they be attacked before virginia (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) so it's a weird year for it because as uh, Caroline and I've been saying every week, sort of it's bizarre world, right? Like UVA, obviously not coming out to, to maybe repeat as a coastal champions or, or repeat their showing in the, in the conference championship game. So then you collect a couple losses and you're sort of like, gosh, we said before the Duke and UNC games, if they beat Duke, UNC and tech, I don't know what else really is a big deal about the season. Yeah, we want them to win every game, but it's just sort of a weird place as a fan to sort of get an overview of this season. And now it all comes down to potentially this being their last game if they don't pick up a bowl and keeping possession of the Commonwealth Cup, which would be obviously enormous. Tech's going through a potential coaching change. Certainly their fans would like to see it. It's this has got to be outside of COVID already one of the stranger meetings in recent memory for this matchup. And then you've got the whole COVID bizarre world impacting it. What what do you see in the UVA program, how they're approaching this rivalry game, the feelings with the, you know, the staff and, and the players? What are are they getting hyped up for it? Are are they how 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 much is this being impacted by how weird things are? Yeah, it's, it's definitely weird. I mean, I think they're excited, obviously, for the chance to win, and, and they've been playing well the rest of the season. I remember they started one and four, and the players kept coming on. They kept telling us that they're they were better than the record showed, and I was like, all right, well, maybe. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then, then they sure. started actually <laughs> exactly yeah. started putting it together, and Brendan Armstrong looks great at the quarterback spot. So I think they're they're pretty excited, especially when he's on the field. I think this is a, a game that you know they talk about the fourth side so much you don't really need to like have extra energy. I think the benches for both sides will be stoked. Obviously a rivalry game without a crowd is kind of weird, but they've done that before all year. The fact that I think both teams are so excited about this one, Virginia, there's still that winning in Blacksburg. I know it's not the the same crowd level, but you look at, you know, 20 some years since they've won in Blacksburg. I think that's (laughs) definitely some motivation. Who invited this guy on the podcast? This is a terrible idea. Yeah, I I look at that. Do you think, you know, when you look at where the two teams, so Virginia's on a four-game winning streak, Tech has looked a little uh, lost at times over the last few weeks. Um, How do you see, does that matter for this game? Like, how does that affect, does everything go, I just, for me, I always feel like everything goes out the window when it comes to this game. Like, it doesn't matter if, like, (laughs) throw out the records and Virginia and Virginia Tech get together. Um, but how do you see, you know, especially after reading some of the stuff, like I know the tech players talked to some of the media today, you've talked to some of the UVA players yesterday and the coaches, um, does that affect, you know, like where are they at? Like where are these programs at? How does that affect this game? Yeah, it's interesting. Cause you've obviously got the rivalry cliches that I also think are, are kind of true. Like sure. I think both teams are, are coming in where Virginia's coming in on a hot streak. Virginia tech has looked pretty cold. Bronco Mendenhall made a nice point that I thought was fair yesterday. He talked about um, the schedule sort of being a, a major factor there where Virginia played Clemson and Miami early in the season, Virginia tech played them later. So when you look at winning streaks and losing streaks, 
it helps depending on who you're playing obviously virginia <laughs> god damn he's so right he's so, he, he's so level-headed and like says normal stuff boston college w- without their starting qb dude that other that. guy though i don't like that guy was good well yeah he, he threw for it was a record <laughs> for like, opponents against the and I get, I get that the secondaries had some issues but that guy was putting balls places that like that was Short? i thought he I thought, damn, I was impressed. Like, and I think there was a little bit of prevent defense happening late in that game. Like it was a little bit more like, just stay that way for a bit. But yeah, that guy come up with a lot of excuses for Virginia's secondary, but that (laughs) I'm not saying he's the the second coming. I'm just saying that I thought he actually, I was impressed with his throwing ability. That kid's got an arm. For sure, for sure. Sorry, but yes, they were not. Were were you surprised, Bennett, that um, Vegas has the Hokies? favored by a few points not too much i think mm-hmm. it, it makes a little sense matchup wise like i think virginia is probably still the pick but i think virginia tech you look at their really good running team i think they lead the acc in rushing yards per game virginia's defensive line is pretty battered but i think if you have a team that sort of struggles to throw the ball there are a few remedies better right now than virginia's secondary because they've, <laughs> they've really been struggling so i mean i think they've got the ability to correct it and to fix it but I think it sort of works well where Virginia Tech's strength is running the ball. You can get some play action mixed in against a secondary that's proven sort of beatable at times. I think for Virginia, the secondary, if you give up a lot of yards, it's fine because the offense is playing well. You just kind of got to look at it uh, like some of the previous games where if they can get a turnover or two right. or three, I think that that can sort of be the difference, even if you give up, you know. 520 passing yards or whatever well with i mean imagine those interceptions go are, are receptions for boston college which you know you you hate to say well if we throw out the three good plays then <laughs> then it was all bad it's like well yeah but without it? those red zone interceptions boston college wins that game you know and and throws for 600 yards <laughs> potentially so uh i thought tech's use of its quarterbacks was a little interesting against uh, clemson in their most recent game but obviously you can't help injury and, and yeah i was like everyone kept getting hurt yeah. uh, i'm 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 really glad like i didn't see any of the stuff with hendon hooker i'm glad that he's okay because it sounded terrifying on twitter which is it like, was you know, shaking and convulsing yeah. and um, I mean, but um, the, when you look at this game, you if I'm text folks, I'm kind of like, well, it's going to be 40 degrees and cold again in Blacksburg on Saturday night. Like, that's what we're looking at. Yeah. How do you see? I don't know. Like, I, I, yes, the defense is banged up. Would you give the who do you give the advantage to when you're looking at Virginia defense versus Virginia Tech offense? I think there I would give it to Tech's offense, although the, the quarterback is certainly a question in the the hooker thing was alarming sort of the way he was shaking. They mentioned it would be cold, but I don't know what you do yeah. other than like, what, like wearing more layers. Like, I don't know how you <laughs> fix that this weekend. It's not really like an ankle where like you rest it or you have a normal treatment. I don't know how you just like make him warmer. He's like, Less I'm warm soup. now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the perfect chance for Campbell's to come in. The image exactly. and likeness needs to be available. They get him is in the Donovan McNabb's mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She yeah, shows up and yeah. just is like, I yeah. have soup. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's because they said they didn't have warmer like the heaters on the sidelines either. So maybe that's something mm-hmm. that we see this I'm, week. Yeah, it just seems <laughs> so. Do you, you know we weren't there was not any word yet as to Jameer Carter and Noah Taylor coming back this game. Um, how I mean, obviously that's a huge impact. But how have you? What was your thoughts about you know the first game without Snowden and mm-hmm. how that how Virginia's defense looked without him for the first week, especially against an offense that 
Boston College, I, honestly, last week's game shocked me. I'm not going to lie. I think I told a couple people, like, be prepared to lose to Boston College because that I think that team, with or without Jerkovic, Jerkovic, God damn, I mess it up every time, and I'm really sorry, Phil. I love you. But um, he's listening. I was, I, yeah, he's, he's a big <laughs> Um you know, how does how did you think that played out not having a piece like Charles for the first week? It was interesting because I thought the linebackers were kind of fine. I think it's more like the defensive line where you really want yeah. like Jameer Carter back in there because Matt Gann was awesome. I thought he was good. Yeah. great. Yeah. Elliot Brown's been really good. So they've had some guys who have played really well. I mean, there were there were times on like third and long, they would stick one defensive lineman. It was just like Mandy Alonzo and like five linebackers. So, I mean, I think they feel good about Look. the back yeah. <laughs> linebackers. Yeah, it's just a matter of, like, can you get the, the D-line healthy, have enough guys there? Because I think the front seven, even without those major playmakers, has been really good. And it's interesting because I like the back set. I mean, the back four, I think they look pretty good with Cross, Grant, D'Angelo Amos, and Joey Blunt. Like, that's a decent four. They just got to, like, win some more one-on-one battles. So, yeah. It's definitely fixable in the secondary. I think it's just like, you you know, you got one week to fix it. Yeah, figure it or out. Having Noah Taylor back there for Hendon Hooker to throw to would be um, <laughs> particularly helpful for the Hoos. But Tech's O-line is probably their biggest strength. You know, if, if we're ranking their their groups, their position groups. So if Hoffman's not getting personal fouls. It's sort of like, <laughs> does, does UVA's half, ha- not haphazard, but like, piecemeal D line eventually come to bite them, you know, in, in this game where, where they've been making it all right with, you know, losing the transfer to Cincinnati, whatever his meaningless name was. Uh, Oh, don't (laughs) be. No, Juwan Briggs. He's still a favorite. Nice, nice guy. Obviously. Anyway, my point is this could be a point where it, it, the, the chickens come home to roost, you know, like that we see the, the wheels start to come off maybe to a depleted, position group that isn't going to match up against the other teams or they kick ass pierce why right i'm obviously that's what i'm rooting for i'm just saying like i'm worried maybe all the change makes it impossible to prep for (laughs) it's the specific talents of those d tackles uh, that you just don't know what to anticipate if you don't know who's playing exactly okay yeah i gotcha (laughs) see hire me bronco i'm ready Uh, but talking about UVA's offense, obviously uh, having uh, uh, healthy wide receivers is going to be a big thing. And the who's got a, a bit of a scare with uh, our, our super freshman's uh, concussion scare in last game. But Davis is looking okay. He is on the depth chart and Bronco Mendenhall loves to update people on Tuesday nights in <laughs> a radio show as opposed to the Monday pressers. So I imagine he'll get something. I mean, he just seemed like he came off pretty good. It wasn't like the Brennan Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where he seemed super woozy coming off. Uh, LaBelle Davis was was pretty aware of his surroundings. So I think you've got to like his chances. And uh, he was on Instagram in the comments telling some people that he was ready to be back. Oh, so well, that seems like it's in stone. So he's got the best Instagram game. Oh, my God. Oh. I, I'm so bummed that he someone made him change it, but that bodied was that one dude on Louisville. <laughs> he tagged the poor kid. <laughs> and then the best was like the entire basketball team and the mentions like, yo, at least your mentions button isn't broken. Like, <laughs> it was amazing. Um, but yeah, when you look at wide receivers versus, you know, that, I think secondaries where tech has also had some opt outs and people that aren't mm-hmm. there um, that they expected to be there beginning of the season. Um 
how do you see that battle shaping up when you look at Lavelle, Tony, Terrell, um, and my like kind of low-key favorite, Billy Kemp, the kid that does literally everything and has like one touchdown to show for it. Bless his heart. <laughs> Scored against the Hokies last year. He did. His Billy first Kemp. career touchdown yeah. was like, and I thought he was gonna get a flag for his little hop skip into the end zone, but <laughs> no hopping. No hopping, no fun. <laughs> um, how do you see that battle shaping up, Brent Bennett? Yeah, his touchdown to reception ratio is alarming. No, he's really got- <laughs> It's like the opposite of Rayshon. <laughs> exactly. Guy catches everything. No, I think they've got good chances. I mean, you look like Liberty moved the ball pretty well against Virginia Tech. Pitt moved the ball really well against Virginia Tech. So I think <laughs> I would not be overly concerned if I'm Virginia's offense. You got Brennan Armstrong, who's super confident, playing really well. And you're going to get like the two, six, seven guys is super helpful. Like they're tall, they're athletic, they've got pretty good hands. Um, and then they've also got, you know, Jana, who I think people forget, even though he's still just like a super yeah. good receiver. So tons of weapons. The running game seems like it's been been decent. The offensive line's pretty good. I'm not really sure Virginia Tech can can stop Virginia that well. So I think both defenses are going to have their hands full, which makes for a very exciting game. Potentially, I think you could have a little bit of a shootout. Discussion awesome. I'd like to have, and I'm not trying to get run out of the room. Just curious. When you compare... Um, Who's a better runner, Brennan or Bryce? Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. So just, I mean, just it's it Bryce out. Perkins. <laughs> Next question. I, I'll look, say, I just, think that there's more north-south review, south, review north, the south tape, running from Brennan. Review the tape from last year's win over North Carolina. <laughs> okay. And that's pretty well, much Well, look at what evidence. he did against Boston. I'm not, look, and I'm only throwing this out there. I'm not saying that I do think that Brennan's a better runner. I think oh. Brennan's a better runner than almost every and even though we were told before the season started that brennan's a better runner than we all give him credit for highly think, capable yeah. yes i what i really like and what i think is again what brennan has that bryce did not is the benefit of a much better offensive line so i think that the designed runs bryce did yeah. more out of panic like he had he made more <laughs> out of nothing when he had yeah. to yeah because things fell apart brennan has a much better system surrounding him when it comes to designed runs having the offensive line there for him and then making stuff happen when stuff falls apart he attacks contact which is yes you know uh scary but also especially nice. since there's like no backups <laughs> see, anymore yeah. well i was gonna say brennan also has thompson there often yeah. on the field with him and i mean we saw against boston yeah. college it's hard to stop both of them and you know you need to focus on both of them because they yeah. both can can break one open. Ketons at the light. Sorry, that's my last bit on that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Bennett, how do you see the the running backs uh, this season uh, shaking out? I think that's been an interesting point we've talked about week to week. Is is maybe Talapapa not getting? Uh, you know, he, he's never sort of been the workhorse, but he gets the touches and he particularly gets the touches uh, in the red zone, even with these multiple running QBs and things like that. I think the team has sort of shied away from that in, in more recent weeks. And um, maybe, like you said, the schedule had something to do with the fact that the wins have also started to accumulate. But maybe uh, maybe their approach in the running game and strategy has, has changed a little. It's interesting. Yeah, I think you could probably make an argument that the best runners are, are quarterbacks with Armstrong and, and Thompson. But it's also interesting. I think they've gained a lot of trust in Shane Simpson, the Towson transfer. He's the guy they seem to go to now, kind of as the top back. And Talapapa yeah. is still sort of used and 
does a good job. But I think what Simpson can do as a receiver and his his running ability is really impressive. He's someone they've they've worked in more. But I love it when they can throw a running back in there and they motion Keaton Thompson into the backfield. I think that they realize is probably the best way to generate yards and chunk plays. So they've mm-hmm. kind of maybe shied away from the running backs a little bit. When Brennan's playing the way he is, you've got the weapons on the outside. Like you might as well throw it around or, or find ways to get it into Keaton's hands. Good stuff. And... I liked the direct snap though. I think what they've done well in the last few games is still being creative offensively without some of the excessively creative plays. If that if that makes sense, you mean like the were... double pass from your <laughs> well, okay, I guess that technically was like two games ago. Because that was a moment of brilliance. <laughs> That's still that SVP clip is still the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like it's yeah. just it just the whole like get on your horse. Um <laughs> But you know, I mean, like the, the plays where they're doing some more of the trick gadget plays to get Keaton involved are less like triple reverses and, you know, these extra things that are sniffed out. And I think that they've been really, really for <laughs> and I got a lot of flack has has gotten a lot of flack. Um, and I'm just saying we haven't heard a lot of that in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, I think they've been more creative and more um like, that, like I've said this before, like a couple weeks ago, when they get the ball, I assume they're going to score because the offense is just put to in the, um, the aggressiveness of going for it, uh, when, sure. you know, knowing when things are four down territory, um, but still yet having pretty good trust, I think, in Brian Delaney minus a couple misses here and there. So it's been an interesting mix. Aggression is is actually something I wanted to ask about for my next question for both of you, which is having watched and covered, um, you know, the ACC in general, now that tech is moving uh, on from Bud Foster or has moved on from Bud Foster, have you noticed anything different in their style or approach or strategy with that defense? Uh, to You know, I've watched a handful of their games. It seems to be a similar system, but I'm wondering – you know, to your point, Caroline, where you want to get away from the potential of moving backwards with these trick plays or big sweeps and things like that, especially against a defense, uh, the Hokies still want to get you in the backfield. I know every defense does, but I mean, they, they, they've always Just them really specifically. aggressive, only... <laughs> but that's sort of their style is, is being very aggressive. And that's why they've sort of historically been susceptible to running quarterbacks yeah so we're bringing that but hopefully we're not bringing uh things that will move the who's backwards if they screw <laughs> up so i don't know have you noticed anything in the defense that, that maybe can't be attributed to personnel losses that every team is dealing with there or is it just sort of a running it back after the hall of fame guy leaves they and the one thing that has stood out to me has been so and i don't know how much of this is bud foster or whatever you want to say or just change in regime or whatever things you want to attribute to the the um the tackling has been bad for virginia tech Mm. and that's the stuff that i think is going to that will drive and has driven some of their fans absolutely nuts um you know there's a couple plays you know there were a couple that really stood out about clemson and look i'm not about to really knock anybody to tackle clemson yeah (laughs) and that's you're like got him great got him in the back oh he just scored a touchdown oh okay (laughs) wow that was quick um but that's exactly the kind of thing that that has happened to tech a couple times throughout the season Mm -hmm. the only honestly the most I look back in some of the games they played the most like one of the most mind-blowing ones to me is like how they dominated NC State so great it was a bit first game like I get that Mm -hmm. stuff but um 
that I remember looking at that and being like, oh shit, okay, like okay, tech. Um, but since then, I, I think that, you know against Pitt, they've they, I mean, they got dominated by Pitt. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a Pitt team that I, I think that a lot of people had some high hopes for. Um, David Hale, shout out, <laughs> poor thing, he's been like taking back his I'm on the Pitt train like <laughs> all never, season. Never but, <laughs> not while they have you know, that coach there are you know this yeah so i think that's the biggest thing to me is some of the like just technical aspects of like where previously tech was like i think godfrey who's sb nation guy tweeted something on saturday about like the old lady meme with like the woman younger woman helping her being like (laughs) saying like you're telling people about things when you were younger he's like oh virginia tech's defense used to be one that was feared like yeah um and, and i think that's kind of what they're missing um is that and again, I don't know what this it's whatever. It sucks for them that the season that they turn over from Hall of Fame defensive coordinator that every Virginia fan is happy to see go because he was a good coordinator um, is also when you have COVID and all this other nonsense going on. So, so like, it's hard to make sweeping assessments, but that's mm-hmm. some of the stuff I've seen from them in the past few weeks. Maybe not a case of totally different strategy or person, you know, a different approach to it. Yeah. Did he take the lunchbox? that's them? the question is that what did they switch lunch boxes that had all the mojo it had the good thermos <laughs> mm. well it seems to me that like most uh previews we throw out there that at least aren't against clemson it's going to come down to taking care of the ball and uh forcing turnovers uh, uh from the other team so I, I think we've said that every week because yeah. it's true. <laughs> so, I think if they take care of it and score lots of touchdowns, I feel pretty good about it. It does seem like the momentum is with the Who's, <laughs> so it would be pretty special um, to win in Blacksburg. Are we going to make Bennett pick? Yeah, I think I think he has to guarantee a result to yes. our, our listeners <laughs> and be held accountable if, <laughs> if that result doesn't play out. To the point. Mm-hmm. So, okay. what do you think? Okay. To the point. <laughs> no, what, what's your, what's your, obviously we won't take your job. I think that uh, you might. threat. <laughs> it's way bizarre. We are on video and there was a face that went with that. So I do apologize. <laughs> it came off way harsher than I meant. Um, <laughs> under no threat of any negative side effects. What? How do you see this game playing out on Saturday? Yeah, this is interesting. I think Virginia's gonna win because i think it's like you said it sort of comes down to like the turnovers and all that good stuff but i think if you had to pick between the quarterbacks which i think in a, in a tight game you maybe go for the quarterbacks i like the way brendan armstrong is playing virginia tech i mean i don't even know if they necessarily know who they're gonna play at quarterback or yeah. like with the hooker thing it's so weird like i don't know if he can like stay warm i've never said that yeah. before but i think trying to like keep him healthy is huge and when he's there he can certainly be a dynamic i was looking at stats today actually it was kind of interesting where he has Hendon Hooker has four games with at least 200 passing yards and 50 rushing yards. The Hokies are 0-4 in all those games. So mm-hmm. even when he plays super well, it like doesn't guarantee a win. Whereas Brennan Armstrong, he's got the same thing, but five of them, they're 4-1. Like if Brennan Armstrong plays well and doesn't turn the ball over, Virginia pretty much wins. Right. Um, and I think that, that that'll sort of be the case this weekend. And, and Brennan seems very confident compared <laughs> to where he did in the season opener, where I think if he had started with that game, I would have picked Virginia Tech. But I think at this point, I think Virginia wins. Does Brennan get special powers from his George Michael earring? Um, oh can you ask him that? 
the next time he's with the president. <laughs> right after the, the post game at the Virginia Tech yeah. game. Yeah. So, I've, been to ask you to... <laughs> I've been meaning to ask you all season. It's a spectacular look, and I'm I'm here for it. I but... adore I adore him. I just it's just every his vibe, the confidence. And that's what you absolutely have to have. And like and this yeah. sounds so again, sounds so stupid, but like the most important trait I think you can have in a quarterback is forgetting your mistakes. <laughs> like he'll throw a pick and be like, ah crap. All right, next play, and then comes yeah. out and will like you know take a shot and and i think that's so important and i'm curious to see yeah i does i think you're right with the quarterbacks um especially since we don't know who's going to play and they they've been doing the when you have three and you don't have any um which is funny because virginia played three and actually had a really cool system against wake forest and <laughs> have been kind of implementing that in the yeah. past few games but um you know i think he had hooker had seven carries and two fumbles is that right Some, something like that against clemson but oh, gotcha. um yeah and i just think it's something you have to keep an eye on like what are they going to be able to do and and the biggest thing is is the rushing keeping yeah. the rushing game contained and if they can you contain would, the rushing game i think that could be it was, i don't want i'm not gonna say it out loud it was, <laughs> it was interesting because hooker i mean he was like his fumbles he couldn't catch the snaps like when he was yeah he was cold he was struggling to do kind of anything so it's it's really Which interesting relatable so <laughs> yeah exactly me huddled up in the press box with like six coats he's struggling with the cold <laughs> it's like anytime i go to clockner and i think i have the right number of oh, no. you know yeah. layers on and that's like, no colder place in charlottesville than clockner unbelievably cold sure. up there and i'm yeah. like just dying at halftime like trying to type with typos it's the same thing <laughs> well maybe a, a final question about this matchup but I, um for you if every time we play the Hokies it's important and for the last 16 years it's been even more important because you know you needed to to finally break this break the streak they broke it now it's a chance to break the streak of playing in Blacksburg of course but this year's maybe other reason it's massively important is this seems like a a huge swift switch in the power rankings of programs in the commonwealth and if the who's can win in blacksburg maybe it elicits a coaching change in in blacksburg i i don't think that matters either way if the who's win people are going to take notice of which program is on the up and up Um, i think people are already taking notice already putting that you know behind virginia but if you lose it's almost like there's still this hump to get over, even though the streak has technically been broken. You haven't really grasped like possession of the state, you know, as a program. <laughs> they haven't gotten their certificate yet that says possession of the state. Right. <laughs> but just in the perception of these programs, I mean, can you talk a little bit about, am I right there, how massive this is? Or, or you know, maybe it's just another small step in a collection of other small steps that they've they've been collecting. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see JMU play in the spring before we hand out possession. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Listen, the um, monarchs, the monarchs in Norfolk have something to say as well. Exactly. <laughs> no, I think that's fair. I think it's fair. I mean, if they win the game, they'll be on a five-game winning streak. Virginia Tech will be on a five-game losing streak. One of the programs will sort of be in love with their coach and really confident in what they're doing. The other will be the exact opposite. So I think that if it does happen, Virginia's pretty clearly in my mind the top program in the state even if Virginia loses I think it's still got a, a case but like you're saying I think Virginia Tech fans if they lose four in a row struggle don't know who their quarterback is and still find a way to win this game without fans at home 
I think it's a, a pretty big sort of notch in the, in the belt, I guess, for yeah. Virginia Tech. But if, if the Cavaliers can win this one and find a way to pull it out, I think it would it would mean a lot. I think it would be big. And it sort of builds momentum. I think Virginia is setting itself up really well to be a trendy pick heading into next season. Mm-hmm. Running Armstrong, Lavelle Davis, you've got some of these guys. They'll have some running backs, offensive lines, got some decent pieces coming back. Um, some of the, the younger guys have gotten experience on defense. I think it's a team that if you win the, you know, you end the year winning five in a row or whatever, I think people next year are going to consider Virginia sort of a, a top contender to go up against Clemson. Well, I lied about not having any more questions about football because that does bring <laughs> up something I wanted to ask you, which uh, have you seen any chatter among the players or staff or if not chatter, you know, whispers or inclinations it's going to be interesting to see who takes advantage of this extra year of eligibility because of covid and in in few sports is that more of a cluster you know what than managing a football roster so have you seen anything about how uva and particularly those seniors might might approach this question or is it too far down the road they do a kind of a fascinating job of avoiding the question where yeah. they'll talk about like how much Virginia's meant to them. And they'll be like, it's our last game. They'll be like, it will be like your last game. Like, like ever and like, no, just 2020. Like, I don't want to make any decisions yet. Yeah. And Bronco has said that, you know, he's not going to, they don't talk about it yet that they're right. not going to talk about it until the end of the season, the season's over. They'll figure out like, it, but it's interesting because also Bennett, I'm interested in your take. Um, the vibe that I get and that I feel and that I completely support is that Virginia might turn down a bowl invite. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these are players, God, and they've done, so, and we've talked about this before, Pierce and I, how well that they've done with the protocols, but that comes with a side effect. I mean, and then people are like, everyone makes sacrifices. Like, I, I get that, I agree, I get that. <laughs> but these are also, you know, like college kids that have committed to doing yeah. these extensive protocols above and beyond, like what a lot of people I follow on Instagram, you know who you are. No, I'm just kidding. Um, hey. <laughs> like, but you know, I would completely understand if Brian Leung, team, no. <laughs> <laughs> if the team was like, you know what? I, I saw, you know, Justin Ferber was talking about um, potentially playing UCF in the Gator Bowl, which is the 22nd. Um, mm-hmm. That way they could still get home and see family for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, but how, Brennan, what's your take? What's your, like, how, how, what's your vibe on that? Like, do you think that they'd acceptable? What kind of stuff would they, and, do you think that's the right call or i mean not right call but you know what i mean like do you understand in that sense personally judge their decisions (laughs) (laughs) football is better than family no i mean i think it's it's interesting because one of the pushbacks i've seen from fans are talking about like bowl practices but i don't think that works the same because this year is a lot it ends a lot later uh you won't get your bowl invitation until like the 20th of december so if you're playing a game on the 22nd, I don't know if like that singular bowl practice is yeah. changing the yeah. the way your program goes. So I think yeah. that it's in the quarantine that if you do let them go home and then you want to have them come back, like the quarantine involved there, you probably have to keep them in Charlottesville. So yeah. if they can play before Christmas, I think maybe it's an option. But even then, if you beat Virginia Tech, like is anyone on the roster going to complain about that being the last game of the season? Right. I wouldn't. Good Lord. And, like, the fans you... might not even get to go to these games, right? Like are any yeah. bowls planning on having – I don't been fans. I don't think so. I think in all of it, like in here's like that money does not come from ticket sales, y'all. Like, gotcha. I I helped with a couple that are now defunct. You know, (laughs) that had fourteen people in the stands. Yeah, (laughs) I single handedly was like, don't do that. No, I was kidding. But it's all the TV stuff, right? So it's a matter of, and, and there's already been discussions about 
you know, what happens if, you know, a lot of people might opt out, like, is it worth risking an injury for a bowl game that really doesn't, you know, because, and that's always, well, if that's risking injury, then why play any games at all? Like, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think, cause I heard that the Gator Bowl would now do their invites this weekend. So maybe that's like ideal gotcha. scenario. They maybe, and this is all hypothetical, obviously. So, um, but then someone said today, like they might, the projection was to play Auburn. Maybe that was the Gator Bowl. Sorry. I don't, I'm mixing up all the different bowls. Can names. we play Texas Tech? Right yeah. After? <laughs> yeah. And someone was like, I kind of want to just play Auburn just so all their Double fans Auburn. get mad again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, that's Ooh. Ooh, I like it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Bennett, thank you for personally guaranteeing a victory for the Who's on Big Saturday. Time. Big time. That is, that's great to hear. Uh, but let's talk a little basketball because they also, have a pretty massive game uh, because it's, it's Michigan state. And, you know, Ben, you've only been covering the who's for a little while, right? Like the, the, the Michigan state ghosts for the basketball team. Are you, are you fully aware of how annoying these ghosts, this, (laughs) it is a brutal one for sure. Yes. So I I had followed along just as a basketball fan of those. And then I got here and people were just sort of like out of the blue. I'd get tweets at like 2 a.m. People, I think, just waking up in like a sleepless fit. Like Tom Izzo. (laughs) So uh, it's... (laughs) Tevin got fouled. Tevin got fouled. (laughs) There's definitely some ghosts there from those. So I'm I'm excited for this one. I remember playing Michigan State in the uh, Big Ten ACC matchup with Travis Watson, I believe. Mm. UVA star and they played on a basketball court above a hockey rink in Richmond Virginia and the ice condensation because it was too humid and too hot or I don't know what what the indoor of the Coliseum (laughs) but they they had to call the game because I mean it's it's funny because no one I think got seriously injured but at the time alarming when your star players are sliding and buckling on their knees uh so it's been a long time of of Michigan State disasters for the who so this is a, an important moment um well yeah and it was well late, late at night <laughs> that, yeah that um for the sweet 16 game um obviously that was joe harris's last game mm-hmm. um and and i'm always mad at michigan state because they made joe harris cry so uh like anytime you see the well and, and obviously everyone at the end of the season like that but that game was so good it was um, a great game Sure. And honestly, I, I still joke that UConn should have thanked Virginia for their national championship run because they completely wiped that Michigan State team that took the full the, took the floor in the Elite Eight had nothing left after that game. Yeah. Um, and you know, if Anthony Gill doesn't roll his ankle, I think it's a di- it's a different story. Damn it! But um, <laughs> Caroline, Caroline, let me remind you, we won a national championship. I know it's uh, true. But the funnier part was okay how now. many times the committee put Michigan state in Virginia's bracket, like oh, every yeah. single time after that, obviously they lost them the next year. And then in 2016, they were in the two seed in their region again, um, but lost middle Tennessee. Um, yes. I believe. Yes. Yeah, I think and right. that was a stupid Syracuse year. And so the whole thing was just <laughs> so crazy. The Syracuse one's like the worst. Um, I don't want to talk about the past. Yeah, anymore. sorry. Let's anyway, talk about this, this game basketball team has well, had and- some uh, odd ups and downs, Bennett. Uh, you know, yeah. It, 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 I'm counting an overtime game against Kent State as a down, but as we said on here, it it's it's interesting to see these early games because Tony is clearly 
considering them as sort of dress rehearsals, right, for ACC play, as he does every year. So we should come to expect this, but you still don't expect to really struggle against a couple mid-major teams that weren't picked to be, you know, conference winners or anything like that, considering the roster that the Who's have and the talent that the Who's have uh, on their roster. So, you know, what's the vibe with this game-by-game struggle blowout that, that, that we've seen uh, switch off for the basketball team? It's interesting. Yeah. I think you just, if you're Virginia, you got to set up the schedule for the struggle, blow out the rest of the way. Right. <laughs> so they struggled and now they'll, they'll blow out Michigan state. You got to add a Perfect. game in, there in between Villanova, but no, yep, yep. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. I think some of it is trying to adjust. They ran like multiple different offensive systems yeah. this year. They've got new faces when the freshmen to Reese Beekman's been the one who's mostly played, but you've yeah. also got the transfers and Sam Hauser and Trey Murphy, the third. So you've got some different people coming into the mix. I think it'll just take time for them to gel. And like you're saying, Tony Bennett sort of just toying around and playing with his team. I mean, at one point he did like hockey shifts. And then after the yeah. game said, said shout out to the Tampa Bay lightning who have also given <laughs> shout outs. <laughs> There's a weird relationship going on there where they're like basically partners now, but right. no, it's, it's interesting. I think that they'll figure it out as time goes on. I know some, um, some men on Twitter were able to explain that to Caroline that it actually takes time. <laughs> for a team to gel so Thank yeah goodness for that <laughs> otherwise i'd be lost <laughs> oh goodness well uh, maybe more pointedly the the biggest result of this shift in and uh, roster management is that key has hasn't started every game and you know that's national champion Kihei Clark. Uh, Say his full name for his full you know, name. <laughs> and and the reasons for it make sense if you're considering going. Okay, we want to see how Reese plays at the one, and maybe how Reese plays at the one when this guy is at the four, etc. But you know, you talk to these guys. Uh, have you seen anything from Kihei? That is 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 he going to have a chip on his shoulder that leads to overtime wins? You know, because that they weren't winning that game against uh, Kent State without him scoring. Uh, I don't, you know, he's a smart enough and experienced enough guy that I'm sure he gets what's going on. But I think any athlete out there is going to take it personally, at least a little bit. What have you seen from Kihei's reaction to the shoveling? Yeah, I kind of tried and hoped I might get a reaction out of him in the last game because I asked him because he was yeah. one of the guys. I was like, you know, what is it like to adjust to sort of not starting? He's like, I, whatever I got to do to win, I got to yeah, do it. Yeah. Like the classic trained third year athlete. <laughs> yeah, <answer>. yeah. <laughs> like, come on. No, I think but I think. Are there any no, Instagram I, comments that we can dig into? Nothing yet. I've not really done kidding. that yet. <laughs> uh. I, do I, well, in the same thing, Bennett, do you think like there's been this longstanding who starts doesn't really matter for Virginia? Like, and a lot of teams will say that, I think, and, and people will make of that what they will. But I, I don't think there's really any a huge debate of like the way that Reese was playing um, but in the game before, you know, two games before he started, got the start. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's very simple to say he was playing better than Kihei. I think his ball control and lack, and he didn't turn it over as much and was looking comfortable and was good defensively. You weren't giving up a ton defensively and you were getting a little extra length with, with this height. Um, I, do, are you reading into it more than they're all going to get, he's still going to get his minutes. Like I, that's the thing that I kind of struggle with because, you know, you look at, people who have and have not started under Bennett and that list includes some very impressive people like Justin Anderson. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think not starting is the end of the world, but I also think like, I don't think it just went over Kihei Clark's head. Like he said, like, I think he was well aware he was not starting and and Reese was playing better. So I think 
in a way, I think he outplayed Reese in the most recent game. So I think yeah. there's maybe a little bit of a chip on his shoulder now that he probably won't admit. But I think Tony Bennett was able to kind of create a little bit of a fire there where he came into the year as one of the three guys expected to be a surefire starter. You know, in two games in, Tony's like, all right, well, we're going to change that up and we'll see. We'll see yeah. how that goes. Now and what, Kihei? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it, it's fired him up a little bit. I expect him to play pretty well, and I, I would expect him to actually get the start against Michigan State. I think he played well enough to sort of gotcha. deserve that and, and earn that right back. Well, it was interesting to see them play a little more together um, on the floor. I haven't checked the minutes or, or, or logs, but it felt like they were playing on the floor together more in Kent State than in the previous games. And that brings us to probably the 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 most concerning or the what the most discussed shuffling of roster management leading up to the season is who's playing the two and three you know who are the wing guys for the who's and i don't know how many people were expecting well we know tony likes having two ball handlers out there so kihei and reese is playing really well well that then you're looking at just one one wing right (laughs) you know that that, with a lot of options you're already complicating a, a, a problem that seemed like the most complicated roster problem to to address so uh, it'll, it'll be real interesting to see the minutes of the guards, how that shakes out. If we get this two point guard to, uh, thrown out there more often, uh, what, what do you see from Bennett's managing of those other guards outside of the two point guards so far? It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, at some point you think he's got to just put Cody Statman in and just run, you know, like let's get out <laughs> and transition. Let's make this happen. You got to go with the Cody dunk offense. <laughs> you got to exactly. get that hot hand in there. Dude, he's, he, looked, he looked pretty good in the good ball, but he didn't play he, it all. He, he brings it. Yeah. He has looked really good. I kind of want to see more Casey Morsell just because I yes. think what he does defensively is really good. Mm-hmm. And we haven't had a chance to talk about it much just because they haven't played that many games, but he's looked a lot better offensively. Yeah, like he's sure. confident shooting. He can get to the rim. He's very, very good defensively. Thomas will the mm-hmm. 10 side too. Both of those guys are super good. And I like the two guard, two point guard thing with Clark and, and Beekman. I think there's some, some potential there, but I really like Casey more. So I think he only played like 13 minutes against Kent state or something, yeah. something small. He's someone I think makes sense to have in more because you don't necessarily need him to score, but he can now. And right. he, he locks in on D really, really well. Yeah, I'm obsessed with him. I and like I just think he's <laughs> in well, a healthy I think, way. Yeah, yeah. I think what, what we've run into with the problem is, and this is one of those like where a coach would be like, it's a good problem to have. Is I think Reese is better at this point than people expected him to be, yeah. and that means that where before people thought, oh, this will be a great time to ease him into minutes to spell Kihei, has become we really should have him on the court. Um, and then that becomes, what do you do with Kihei? Who's obviously a proven winner. So it's, it, uh, this roster, especially now that Trey Murphy is, is available. Like, I just don't know what you do. Like you look at the lineup and you're like, how is so-and-so not in? And then you kind of look and you're like, I don't know who you take out. Like, I don't know what, you know, and there's a moment where Hauser isn't in, you're like, why isn't Hauser? And if Huff isn't in, you're like, where's he? Like, and so it's, I do like the options that exist, when it comes to like the quote small lineup. So if you don't have Huff on the court and you can have the Hauser, Murphy, um, some of that length in there, but there's just, and that's the problem with the way that the schedule has just shaken out, I think is so much no, when then we've talked about the no exhibitions, no scrimmages, 
learning those lineups they didn't get to play one of those weird mm. like seven quarter scrimmages against someone <laughs> in a closed gym where they're like all right now let's try it with six people on the court like you know everyone has to use their left hand yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but it's kind of, my question bennett have you i've this is where i got a lot of explanations the defense has looked good at times and there's been times where players that i don't expect have completely gotten lost am I overreacting and being like that concerns me or is this just like they'll figure it out like I just don't expect to see Kihei completely lose his man leave him open for a wide open three and you have teams like I mean when San Francisco I think is going to end up being like a pretty good team but um when you leave some of these players open especially in these gyms that have those weird vibes like and they start getting confident that's when you bury threes especially if you're wide open like what's going on there yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because I think that there's certainly the energy level aspect where Kent State's bench was like, I mean, they would score to like tie the game at four and they were like amped yeah. because they're, they're yeah. playing Virginia and obviously that's yeah. exciting. But last year it felt like opposing teams would get like one open shot a game. Yeah. This year it feels like they're getting significantly more, especially yeah. you look at like random halves, like the second half defense has been like surprisingly off where they've just like left yeah. people open too much. San Francisco got some really good looks. Yeah. So I think they're still room for improvement in the defense you look at like the point totals some of the shootings low but like when you go go up against a michigan state a villanova if you're giving up that many open looks you would expect those kind of teams to also knock down contested shots get to the rim maybe get some more free throws than some of these teams that aren't as big so yeah there's definitely room for improvement defense even if the numbers so far look pretty good i mean like last year they were giving up like 20 points a game to, to main type teams. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I get, I get that like Braxton, what Braxton and Mamadi did for that defense. Like I, I completely understand like there are yep. big steps and, and even when you, and I think there's also a misconception about transfers and sitting for a year or even like red shirts that, that you inherently learn the defense because you're sitting for a year. And that's not the case because they're generally the offensive scout team. Um, so I, I'm just saying like, you know, yes, you'd learn some things, but it's not like Sam Hauser spent an entire season just playing defense. He generally was running the offense while the rest of the team was playing defense. But, um, yeah, I think it's stuff that's going to lock up, but it, again, it, it kind of, I would not be surprised though, if they come out against Michigan state and it's more of a play to the level of the competition type thing. Is that weird to say? I think that makes sense. And I think it, it, it brings us to the second smartest thing I'll say in this episode, which is you got to make shots. Shout out Titus. If a team got to make shots, but this team has to score because they are not the defensive team and they're never this season going to be the defensive team that the previous years were because they don't have Mamadi Diakite. And I don't see any Mamadi Diakites or Braxton Keys on that roster they're just not there and they're not going to be there this season. I, that, that doesn't mean Huff is bad. Huff is a great rim protector but he is not a vacuum on the boards uh you know he's not gonna muscle a lot of guys out of the way offensive boards that they gave up hauser has had some ups and i would say mainly downs defensively you know he he does sometimes he looks competent and sometimes he looks lost and that's to be expected and and shedrick looks like he has the potential to be a a all acc type caliber player but he's still really young there's it's just yeah and i think mccoy i think mccoy will improve over the season too there's a lot of players that that, some ups and also some downs as 
as well in the same vein. So there's just not going to be that answer, which was the great eraser that Key and Mamadi brought to the paint. And if you get into the paint and you're getting conversions, that opens up threes over the pack line. And that's how you lose to San Francisco. I mean, we've seen, we've, we, we've, you know, <laughs> had enough experience breaking down the, the, the false uh, potential in a, a pack line defense. And we're mm-hmm. going to see a lot of it this year until they, they shore it up. You know, it's it's funny when when we have this close win in overtime or loss, where all the three of us are all very active in in the UVA Twitter, and it is an immediate race as to who can downplay the loss the most. Oh, oh, oh. hey, hey, just so everyone out there knows, I am the least panicked of all the UVA fans, and that medal right now. The check receipts. I panicked less the most. First. <laughs> the the <laughs> overreaction like, yo, helped me. Like we yeah. still lost to San Francisco. Like this is a team that we were ta- you know talking yesterday about national title implications. That doesn't mean that this team couldn't win a national title or make a final four or win the ACC. Of course, we know they're talented. Wow, Pierce is saying they can't make but, a final four. Right, right. Pierce is panicking <laughs> and note. thinks Pierce this is, is a bubble team. Well, you know, if Michigan State puts a hurting on us, uh we're gonna we're you know who's who's gonna panic the least the first (laughs) and michigan state wins by double digits michigan state is number four not discounting that have either of you watched a lot of michigan state this season no uh (laughs) they did not make things easy for themselves either um they have had some games where they were Woo, things got you you're getting that alert on your phone that's like michigan state in a close one on big 10 network (laughs) you know like that kind of thing so and, and again this is just to say that this season is gonna do that of the teams, world yeah still, of the teams yeah. that i trust that list is still gonzaga and baylor end of list um <laughs> and so i think this one could be really it, it's a above all else it's a really good learning opportunity and this is where we've said it before again where it's like the thing that benefits virginia is that they get to play a lot of good teams in the acc like they don't have Enjoy. to you know but um i don't know bennett how do you see this one going it's exciting because you've got the the Hauser Bowl. Yes. Oh, yeah. Gosh. I and Joey has been lighting it up for Michigan yes. State. Like he's been awesome for them. So you've got the Hauser debate if you want. You've also got Tom Izzo, Tony Bennett, and the storyline that people are not talking about enough. Michigan State, from what I've researched today, has at least three coaches' sons on its roster. I mean that what? level of, that level of basketball IQ. Gym all rats. in one place and they basically have bios that that basically say like gym rat like they're incredible <laughs> it's like this guy can shoot yeah. they also in. have a guy named foster lawyer which is like i don't know why that's still one of my favorite names in basketball shouldn't he be a duke a coach yeah. yeah is it is is he one of the oh, he's is one he of the three i think his dad did something with like the clippers back in the day assistant wise the lawyer <laughs> You don't yeah, have to laugh, but it's okay. <laughs> and then you've got uh, Jack Hoiberg, Stephen Izzo. So if Stephen Izzo gets in, you know it, it probably didn't go well. But for the <laughs> yeah, fun uh, f- fun fact. Just so while we're talking about the Izzos, um, when I was a kid and we were living in Germany, um, Madame Izzo was my French teacher, and it's his sister-in-law, and I was good friends with his niece and nephew, um, Lauren and Mike Izzo. So shout out to the Izzos. <laughs> fun fact indeed feel Uh, feel uh, free to cut that out (laughs) (laughs) 
I do want to talk a little bit more about the new faces on the team. We covered Beekman uh, in depth, but obviously fans are going to be curious about um, Jabri Abdurrahim not getting a lot of playing time. And, and it's a normal thing for highly touted freshmen not to get a lot of playing time and Kihei Clark to play every minute of his freshman year. So, you know, we've seen it both ways with this squad. We've talked about the the crunch in numbers at the wing. A lot of this is exacerbated by Trey Murphy getting a, a waiver um, to be able to play. So uh, Murphy had such a huge start to his UVA career and has fallen back down to earth. What do you see from Murphy as a player? Where can he fit in? Maybe now that we've seen some of the shots not go in, maybe a, you know, inexperienced with the pack line and obviously this crunching. Uh, that Tony's going to have to do is Statman's not getting the numbers. If we want to see more from Morcel, we know what Walden Tensei brings. Where are these guys on the wing, including those two new faces? How's this all going to shake out potentially, Bennett? Yeah, it's interesting because I think Jabri Abdul Rahim's a really talented kid and, and he'll take some time. And, and Trey Murphy will also take some time. I thought it was interesting and, and maybe a little disappointing for Virginia fans just because he was so good. Trey Murphy was in that first game. People are like, wow, this guy's like, He's going to win the ACC player of the year over Hauser. It's him, <laughs> Hauser, Huff, you throw Kihei Clark in, they're all going to battle that's, it out. They all are in Charlottesville, yeah. And it was like, you got to be a little little more patient. He was a the guy they expected to come in. They wanted him to be in the weight room and mm. redshirt. And then Tony Bennett basically got the idea where it's, you know, they're giving the year of eligibility back. So he doesn't think redshirts are real, which is true. Right. So he's kind of just using it. You know, if we can get him in, he can add value. Let's do it. But he's still a guy that originally they wanted him to get stronger and develop. So now he's just going to do that, but on the court. So he's going to have some really good performances. He'll have some games where he isn't quite as good. And Jabri, I think for him, it's just kind of learning the defense and getting better yeah. defensively. He's a guy that you talk to anyone within the program, his high school coach, whatever, that he can score at all three levels and get to the yeah. rim. He's got a mid-range game. He's got a great three-point shot. But, you know, as Tony Bennett, he'll pretty much put anyone in who can play defense. He doesn't really care how you can score the ball. So you've got to improve and, and work there. And I think if he does, maybe he'll work into the rotation more as the season goes on. But it's also a really, really tough spot to slide in when you're a wing player as a yeah. freshman. You didn't really have a normal offseason. You've got Sam Hauser and Trey true, Murphy true. ahead of you. So yeah. And the reigning national champions. You know, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. All the spots are earned. The numbers are earned. The playing time is earned. (laughs) Everything is there as if it's not earned elsewhere. (laughs) Um, Speaking of mid-range shots, I think that's something we, we talked a little, Paul and I had uh, Jordan Sperber hoop vision on last week and talking about, you know, Hauser's mid-range strength uh, could, could Murphy bring some of that? When does it fall apart if they rely on the mid-range shots because their threes aren't going in and then, you know, the mid-range game isn't the most efficient offense in the world, right? When you've seen them run now three, arguably four if you talk about the the way they adjust some of these offensive strategies what is this team's most successful plan of attack on offense in in your mind I think they've done some nice things where they've sort of um, put Hauser on the wings and got him in the mid-range sort of isolated that I've liked I feel like they've got to find a way though to and I know they they're like the shots go to whoever the shots go to and they, they play good basketball and like find the open guy but like Jay Huff is shooting just an absurd percentage. Like <laughs> yeah. give the guy the ball every now and then post him up and move out of the way and see what happens would be kind of be my yeah. thing. Yeah. If you really need a basket, cause he also draws fouls last year. He talked about how he spent a lot of time working on his free throws. He's been pretty good at the line this year. So I think yeah. 
that is something that's valuable. Uh, but yeah, I think for the most part, like the shots are going to go down pretty consistently from three. They've had a couple of off games, but they've got so many good shooters. They'll find a way to, to knock those down. And I think they're, they're going to have to kind of play with those different offensive systems that they've done, but I think they should really emphasize getting the ball to Huff and Hauser as much as they can. Cause I think those two guys are efficient. They can shoot, they can score yeah. from the mid range down low. So I, I would like to see a little more Jay Huff, like really demanding the ball. No, they gotta they gotta on. keep moving the ball like that's the thing against san francisco they got so yeah. focused on this isolation game the ball got stuck places like they'd go i think that you know what five assists in that game something like that um and obviously it looked better against st francis the second half like you know whatever you will with that sure. obviously something to keep an eye on but um and even against kent state the ball movement was just much better um you can't give up so many second chance opportunities um and turnovers and that sort of stuff but that to me is like the biggest thing like like you said there's shooters there's people that can make shots there's people that can finish the rim just you got to keep the ball moving you can't get lulled into this isolation game because no matter what I, I mean even with deandre like that still wasn't virginia's like thing like it just sure. yeah there were times where you could be like okay i mean the perfect example is against purdue and overtime like gave oh, dre the ball yeah, yeah this rings a bell um <laughs> gave dre the ball and basically everyone's like okay this is dre's right. play like that right. that stuff can work i'm just saying it's not their forte it's not something that they're going to always like hang their hat on and i don't think that they they need to move the ball just if you've got it. frank kaminsky like use them like Frank <laughs> yeah. Kaminsky and and go back and watch those teams at Wisconsin he made all of those Wisconsin dudes really good players by yeah. nature of being that that focal point and where we run into last year's issue is if 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 it's stagnant ball movement or, and then missing a three whereas last year Kihei should have had way more assists right exactly right <laughs> they were moving the ball well <laughs> But I think you're spot on, Caroline, saying that that's what the offense looked like against San Francisco was yeah. carry the ball up, try and make a play, get double teamed, pass to another guy on the wing. He doesn't shoot it or he bricks it, you know, and then everyone yeah. goes, well, then you are. Uh, and now the shot clock's winding down. So yeah. or taking it in. And, and when you're not getting those calls, stop trying to make such difficult shots yeah. at the rim oh, yeah. like yeah. don't make that so much Kyle. harder for yourself like yeah. <laughs> but yeah so I, I think that there's so many great pieces. you know i for one am not panicking so oh. <laughs> God, so noble of you <laughs> what a great fan you are <laughs> i'm sorry i don't mean to be so cynical about twitter i, I love twitter i love interacting with anyone who's listening to well, well, let's, you know, let's we've been talking for, for most of the day at this point, as I'm sure all three <laughs> of us could, could very much do. And we, we haven't said everybody's names uh, on, on the yeah, basketball so. roster, but <laughs> we, Time do, to talk about. we do need to, well, you know, McCorkle has not been in the Horkle and I, <laughs> I just la- can't I wait for that we, to happen. We but can't think, let Bennett go without his takes on Bodo's as a new oh my. relative. Oh, yeah. Forgot yeah, about this. Yeah, let's make sure that you choose your side and, you know, what's your order what's your take what's your feeling what's your favorite favorite charlottesville restaurant too so we'll do that we'll get oh, you a little okay. yeah. charlottesville intro thing here my bodo's take i like bodo's i think the best thing about bodo's is like the value right you're getting like a yeah. pretty cheap 
bagel or bagel sandwich. That's the thing that was cracking up. I was like, huh, I don't know if these bagels are that good. It's like, all right, well, you paid like two dollars. Like, <laughs> I got a full ass. What sandwich. are you expecting? Yeah. <laughs> so it's I pretty normally tasty. go. <laughs> I normally go with like a bacon, egg, and cheese on an everything bagel, sort of just a Strong. safe, safe little guy. Yeah, but I'm a big fan of Bodo's. I think it's it's nice. It's good value. I don't go there and spend like twenty dollars. I'm like, why did I do this? Yeah. But, that's perfect for me. <laughs> Their drive-through setup is is pretty. Top Love notch. the drive-through. Yeah, it's very Love well done. Very well done. Just don't block traffic. Yeah, also, <laughs> yeah. you got to go at the right time. Yeah. Um, sure. If you, what's your favorite go-to spot that you found in Charlottesville? Though, what's your? Yeah, that's a good not question. to like have people track it's hard down to talk about it in COVID. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. You people know, free. Yeah, <laughs> always stopping you. I've been to... going in there a ton recently. No mask. They just let us do whatever. No, um, I would. <laughs> it's my favorite. Are... I believe that's called the lazy to... parrot. <laughs> People are always trying to track me down for autographs and stuff. So hopefully yeah. this won't be too much of a thing. But uh, I think the Bebedero is one that I've really oh. enjoyed. I've only been a couple of times, but it's it's one that I think is up there on my list because I also like black out when I go to half these and forget where I've gone. And I'm like, just well, when I say black out, strong when I say black yeah, out, just I mean, drinking <laughs> so much that he blocks. <laughs> if you see I mean, Bennett, yeah, he yeah. always has a thermos. The Bebedera margarita <laughs> will, will cause some uh, memory no, but I've been to a, I've been to like a few others, but only like like once or twice. And then after I go, I'm like, I don't remember where I was. Where I was or what I ate or who I was with yeah, or what exactly. my name is. Um, okay, la- I guess la- this is the last question. You've covered now both football and mm. basketball in the covid world which one has the weirder vibe which one's mm. weirder the football at the beginning i was like oh this is kind of weird and then i got into jpj and i was like i'm in a dystopia <laughs> that was so strange like i think being indoors during the pandemic feels weird especially it's like everything you know still escalates with case counts and all that stuff so yeah that was super strange and also just it's like basketball's all packed in you've got sort of that that vibe everyone's in there and like packed in like sardines and it's like you're gonna stress me out before i'm going to this game tomorrow well no no i mean like normally normally oh, okay. they have like fourteen thousand, <laughs> and now when they do it it's like there's no one there but they well it's not no one because there's like a few people just like straggling but they're like you can't get amped right you can't be yeah. like screaming then you're the one guy and we're like why is this guy yeah. yelling about yeah. then you're Clark? definitely yeah. on tv no, the, the <laughs> funniest comment i've i've heard uh, from from our friends titus and tate uh but tate frazier talking about watching the the maui games and how he's a carolina fan and so at one point he he's just like it just comes out of me i just go yeah i make these walker when when uh you know freshman walker kessler's at the line well no one's there and no one's talking yes. the walker hears him <laughs> looks at him and then makes this free throws <laughs> clearly thinking who is this jackass in the hawaiian shirt in Asheville, north carolina demanding that i make these free throws in this empty gym that we're playing in i laughed my ass off listening to that i, I imagine there's similar things going on in in, in the jpj are, so weird. Are, are, what about the smithfield ball blaster are they are they no. dropping t-shirts are they nope. blasting balls no nope. nope. disappointing because like Ugh. the media people could go for a t-shirt yeah, yeah. roll it Finally. out fire them out, fire them out. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> just it's send so- the thing just to that one corner for the entire TV <laughs> break. <laughs> <laughs> then it's like elbowing Doug Dowdy to like get him. Not like eight shirts. <laughs> it's just so weird. And they did like they did change the audio. I don't think they did it consistently through the game, but definitely the first defensive possession, they changed the audio when it got below 10 seconds. So they yes. have like on offense, they have the pre-recorded like let's go who's yeah. let's go whatever when they're, virginia's on offense and then defensively they just come on come on come on they did it must, have been, it must have been an accident but somebody pulled up for a jumper and right as he did for virginia they like stopped it though and i'm like that was jarring like if they did that, if they did that defensively michigan state would miss like every shot they just had crowd noise somebody shoots with Oh, oh. Um, yeah and the be- benches are so spread it's like a three-tiered bench yeah you um, can, yeah it's very weird I, I mean look i and like i said i went to a football game and i was impressed as a fan at the football game the way things were handled and i've been yeah. impressed for the one game i went to for basketball um you know you can't go in until an hour before anyway now so it's it's not like you're hanging out in there and you could swing a 10-foot pole and not really hit anybody else which is good it's it feels as safe as you can feel in the middle of the pandemic but it's so weird so weird i cannot wait for this to be over Boy, you have less competition but also less help with the where's the basketball hiding behind the diamond <laughs> yes <thing>. yes <laughs> there's no crowd because <laughs> Who can There's no that? I mean, like until they bring me red like red panda should be the go-to halftime show because that she's socially distanced on the unicycle anyway because it's so high like right. that should be you know she's this she should be everywhere idea. at this point maybe yeah, by the time nice the to... acc tournament rolls around they'll <laughs> consult us for it's just simon says on unicycles <laughs> simon says what how are you going to use red panda the goat and Simon says, "Whatever the opposite of a quote, it's the con, it's the contrast it's the of it all." Anyhow, God, that's <laughs> Bennett. We've kept you for two or three hours at this point. Thank you so much for uh, for listening to us talk at you about UVA sports, and and uh, I appreciate your your win guarantees. I don't think we even got. You're getting out of here without even predicting the Michigan State game. We're gonna let you slide um unless you you have a quick unless i'm taking that opportunity away from you and you're upset by it well no we'll say uh we'll say virginia rallies they find a way to win 66 to 62 in overtime with only the hauser brothers scoring points in the overtime period i love this oh and all iso ball too the other eight guys on the court (laughs) just are like just stand to the side side. (laughs) they change the rules and actually make it just one-on-one for overtime it goes to double overtime and you if you have brothers on the teams opposite teams those are the rules now is that you just play (laughs) one-on-one to decide the game makes perfect sense in (laughs) bizarre world uh we'll, we'll be delighted to have you back on uh down the road bennett so you know keep coming up with some more margarita recommendations for us because uh, <laughs> we appreciate it but thank you again for uh taking the time to speak with us and dear listeners i'm sure you know how to find them but we'll we'll have the uh the uh twitter bio and such linked uh to this if you're listening to it on the uh player but if not you can find them uh on on twitter very easily and we'll, we'll have you back soon thanks man yeah thanks for having me uh if i'm not blacked out i'd be happy to come on again (laughs) and uh thanks everybody for listening stay tuned to the blog uh for some post game for the michigan state and uh and the upcoming hoagies game on saturday till next week go hoos